So we're going to go back again and say life is a series of changes through time. And how we handle time and change will determine how our lives will turn out. You're going to change come. Time is going to bring a change and changes are coming. And we got to learn how to handle time and change. We must learn to manage them. Disappointments come. Things change our lives. But we must learn how to handle the changes. And the only way to do that is to plan. So planning is the only way to manage time and change. Now, we left off last time talking about planning the use of our resources. And I said that resources are time, energy, talent, gifts, relationships, money, house, car, fuel, food, family. You see, all of these are resources. There are times, you know, and you got to determine how you want to use them. Not abuse them. I said use them. Because every, everything you have should have a value to it where it is designated for use, not just laying around. This is one thing. I'm going to say this. This is a freebie for you. This is why at home you can't let your children run in every room that they want to run in in a kind of way. You say, what? But that's their home too. I'm going to tell you why. See, because you're planting a seed that you'll never have good furniture. And ain't nobody going to let you in their house with your kids with their good furniture. You don't believe that, but it's happening. <laughs> I'm telling you why. Because they know you're going to abuse because you're not used to it at home. You need to handle your inexpensive. I ain't going to call it what somebody else makes. I'm saying your inexpensive furniture like it's the like it's a, a, a thousand dollars or it's Six thousand dollars or twenty thousand dollars worth of furniture. Would you let your kids take a bowl of grits and put it on a silk couch? Well, why do we abuse what God has blessed us with? See, that's a that's a misuse of resources. And then you want God to give you more. No, you need to take care of what you got. So you can increase. See, so planning helps us to regulate them. And, you know, I didn't have to shift all my stuff in my front room. And my kids were allowed to go in there. But they knew the family room was where they could go in there, rip and play. They could jump on the furniture. We bought furniture to accommodate them playing in the family room. We didn't buy living room furniture and stick it in the family room. And then expect them to be kids. My son said we didn't go in the front room, but <laughs> not because they were not allowed. They just knew it, it was different. <laughs> they laughing, but who cares? <laughs> I still got my furniture. <laughs> Listen, we can, if we are careful, we, see, we, we don't want to waste our time. We don't waste our energy. You want to waste your time. You don't want to keep wasting because God is not a God of waste, and you need to understand that about his character. God doesn't waste anything. So we got to get out of this habit of wasting. Mm. You buy stuff, and you know you're not going to use it, and then you let it sit there for the next two years. Unless it's something that holds and maintains value. Now, y'all know that little stuff. They ain't got no value to it. 
You need to give it away. Sow it. Do something with it. Get rid of it. Why? Because you're wasting, you're wasting space, really. See, I'm becoming more mindful because God is not a God that wastes. And we can misuse and mishandle the resources that are around us. We can mishandle our talent, our gifting, by letting everybody tell you, come on, sing on the spot. Eh, no, you ain't got to sing on the spot because you had a family reunion. Now, if you want to, that's your bag. But don't let people push that in you. Because all they want to do is get a free concert. You know what I'm talking about? And if we got an agreement, that's okay. But don't expect to have a free concert. Because I'm now you're misusing my gifting. But you won't come to where I am to hear me minister. You just want to show off with me. Mm. I got a cousin that can sing. Or my sister can sing. You know what they say. We don't say sing. They can sing. But we misuse and mishandle so many of the resources. And what about your children and your family, your husband, your wife? See, you, you can waste, you can waste your, your resources right around. You got people right around you, and you won't even utilize them. Husband and wives do it all the time. You go ask somebody or something your wife might know or your husband might know. Ask them first, and if they don't know, that's one thing. But always, you got resources around you. See, this is how couples dissolve because they don't value the person that's living with them correctly. And they waste, they misuse and mishandle the relationship. So we waste all these uh, resources because we don't have a definite plan for them. We just, we just use them as we got need for them. There's no plan for them. That's why children grow up and be uh, a wild because there's never been a plan in place for that child. Mm. And in the kingdom of God, now that might be called abuse. Now, in the world, they say, well, you're just letting them be who they want to be. In the kingdom, that could be described as abuse when you don't have a plan for your children. Woo, Jesus. Mm. How many families would be rich today if they had had a plan where they could work together? There's no greater tragedy to me and I believe to God to see a family a whole generation and because of their little personal uh, uh, mess or whatever you want to call it the little things the little quirks that they have that keep them divided and the strength that could come out of the family never 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 when the family is supposed to leave a dynasty a legacy but because we're so divided, we're afraid Aunt Susie going to get more out of the deal than one of us. So we're not going to help Aunt Susie get nothing. But you're dividing your own strength. Now, I'm not telling you to get involved with people that are just not for you, but you know what I'm saying. In your own household, in this church, y'all better start developing a plan that strengthens your family. I'm not teaching this so you can go home and sit down and, and, 
eat a good meal and then burp and go to sleep. Say, I went to church. No. Listen, people who don't plan, always, say always, want to use planners. They have to have somebody around them to plan because they don't plan. The only plan they have is to use what you have. That's the only plan they got. <laughs> Listen, these types of people will always have emergencies that they are unprepared to handle. They are always in crisis. And the only plan they have is to use your resources. And if you allow this to continue, your resources will dry up. And they will move to the next person they feel will carry them as their responsibility. Because there are people that feel like you just ought to help them. Because they believe you got more money than them and you might do. But that's no reason to help them. Just because you got the money. Let me help y'all. Because a lot of people are being destroyed because of this uh, love help. You're not helping them, you're destroying them because you're not making them grow up and become responsible. You are substituting for them something they need to do, and that's become responsible. You can't be the substitute God in their life. If they're not going to trust God and, and do what you do, you got to leave them alone. Now I know you said, no, I'm going to keep talking. You keep listening, keep listening. But see, they tapping your well now with their... Lack of diligence. Mm -mm. That can't happen. Now, it's all right to help people one time, but see, I can't, I can't be your welfare system. And some of y'all got relatives that you love. They, they have made you their welfare system and put you in prison to help them. But they're not trying to do anything to change what's happening to them. And you're, you're going, you are running your ship on the, up on a rock on the sand trying to help them. And you're letting your bills go short trying to help them. Now, see, that's real dumb. And I'm here to help you. That's dumb. It's dumb. You may not like it, but it's dumb. Mm-hmm. If you allow this to continue, your resources will dry up and they will move to the next person they feel will carry them as their responsibility. They will not even look back at how you are doing. And you got to know that. Purpose must become a priority. Why? Because whatever resources we use, our purpose in life should be connected to that. Or to them. So, so when I go to use, you said, well, you be purpose, yeah. When I go to wash my clothes and use my washing machine, it's because I got to have my clothes clean for the sake of the gospel. So I just put purpose to my washing machine. <laughs> when I buy perfume, it's so I can smell good for the sake of the gospel. See, if you don't add purpose to it, it's going to dry up. Mm. 
planning is taking control of your future. The next 12 months of your life, who is going to control them? Now, the only way to answer this question is to have a plan. And I keep saying that. It is dangerous to live in limbo. Limbo is a place where nothing gets done. It's like standing in stagnant water. It's dangerous to live in that place where you don't know what to do. Well, this is the baby of, uh, we got to pay this. How are we going to do it? I don't know. What you asking me for? That's the brightest conversation. That's bright, isn't it? Mm-hmm. See, you're living in limbo. You're acting as though y'all didn't make those bills together. And then one trying to get it paid, the other one saying, I don't know what to do. Instead of y'all <laughs> adding your strength and putting faith to it, put a seed in the ground. <laughs> y'all fighting. And one is ignored. Just in case you didn't know you were living in limbo. Listen, you and I will have to make decisions. Some may hurt. Some will be uncomfortable to create the change we say we are looking for. You, just some things you're going to have to cut loose when you want to grow. You can't keep being kids about everything. Indecisive. You can't be children. You got to put a definite decision on the table and say, this is what we're working towards. Let me tell you something. Men, you get the best help out of your wife when you bring a definite decision to the table. Then she knew how to add her effectual measure. But to live in limbo, she don't know what to do. And then you annoy with her and she annoy with you. Because there's no plan in place. There's no direction set as to how we're going to come out of this mess. Finances are not hard to come out of. We just take too long getting a plan. And you're going to, it's going to be uncomfortable. So forget it, thinking you're not going to have no uncomfortability. Yes, you are. Change is uncomfortable sometimes. You may not be able to buy all the stuff you used to buy. You shouldn't, because it puts you in debt. And when you want to come out of debt, you got to stop spending more than you have. Is that just a plan? If you don't do it, it's not going to work. Habits got to be changed. Appetite must be changed when you're looking for change. Ooh, Jesus. But doing nothing is not an option. Because it's not going to go away. It's going to get worse. It's like accruing interest on a loan. It doesn't go away just because you don't pay the loan. It just keeps right on accruing. So planning helps to fulfill the vision and the mission for your life. Write this down. The best way to predict the future is to invent it. <laughs> Write it down. 
I'll say it again. The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Listen, the world does this all the time. They predict there's going to be sickness, and then they do everything to create fear so you can accept their prediction. And when you accept it, you give power to their plan to come alive in you. And you get sick. And their prediction wins. Because you heard the fear. See, they're predicting right now all kinds of stuff coming. Does that mean it got to happen to you? Because don't make their prediction right. <laughs> so you can invent your future with a plan. When I was young, I can talk about me. I said, Pastor can talk about herself. All you got to do is listen. When I was young, I always wanted to teach. Now, growing up, I didn't have the resources to attend a four-year college. And no, I was not going to go in debt to go to college. Because that was like, I had enough sense back then, even though I didn't know a lot, but I had enough sense to know I'm not borrowing all that money. And then you, they tell you nine months after you get out of college, you got to start paying on the debt. Okay, when I get to live, this is why you got career people that go to school. Because they know nine months after they got to school, they got to start paying on the debt. <laughs> you didn't know that, did you? So they keep going back to school and going back to school, never going to work. But anyway, <laughs> they, never, they never end up in the field that they've been going to school for. <laughs> I didn't have the resources to attend a four-year college. But, somebody say, but. Do you know what I did? I found another way. I, took some, I went to a business college first, but then I took my life skills of marriage, raising children, cooking, and I began to teach, say teach, these skills to ladies who wanted and needed these skills. Some of you in this room today are the proof of that teaching. Some of you became better cooks, better wives. Your children are the, the proof of this raising, of this teaching. Not bragging, just showing you that if, if one plan doesn't come through, then do what? Find another way. Okay, I didn't go to a four-year college, but am I teaching? Hallelujah. <laughs> now I had to learn how to discern. This is what you got to because I'm preserving my resources. I had to learn how to discern when someone was ready to hear and when they were not ready to hear. Why? To keep from wasting my time, my energy, and my wisdom. You got to learn how to discern when people's really asking for help and when they're really not. Because they'll waste your time, your energy. They'll waste your resources. Look at Proverbs 21. You say, oh, she actually got a scripture. Of course, I've been teaching out of the Bible the whole time. Where you been? Look at Proverbs 21, and let's look at verse 11. All right. Are you there? All right, Proverbs 21, 11 reads... When the scorner is punished, the simple is made wise. 
And when the wise is instructed, he receiveth knowledge. Okay, what it is, it sounds like it's saying the same thing, but it's not. And it says, an ignorant person or ignorant fool, the one translation says, learns by seeing others punished. But a sensible person learns by being instructed. See, a wise person, they don't wait to go through all the hell. They get instruction. <laughs> you don't see, experience is not the best teacher. You better hear me. I know that's been told you all your life, but experience will kill you. Depending on your experience. When you can be instructed in a thing and avoid the, 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 the experience. Mm. The, the, look, it says a scorner, which is a, a type of a fool, is punished. And he said, he said, I see the scorner being punished, so I ain't going to do that. But no, a sensible person said, train me. Mm -hmm. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Chapter 14, let's look at verse 38. <laughs> I like this one. Because <laughs> sometimes you just can't help people. Let's look at uh, verse 37. Let's go back up to verse 37. If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. He said, go check it by what you've been taught. But if any man be ignorant, y'all finish it for me. Let him be ignorant. He says, don't, don't listen, some people you're not going to be able to help. And you got to know how to discern when it's time to help somebody and when it's not. Now, here's something that I love about God. And that is when I made a plan, God always exceeds my plan. Because that's just the kind of God he is. You got to know that about him. So when there's no plan, God has no reason to cause you to exceed. What you going to exceed in? Mm. You say, I can write stories. Well, when are you going to put something on paper so someone else can benefit from it? Right now, it's just in your head. Mm. Listen, what I am saying to you, I've already been that person. That is why you can't fool me. <laughs> for things to change for the better, I had to plan for better. Look at Ephesians 3. Oh, hallelujah. Ephesians 3. Verse 20. Oh, we know this one. Ephesians 3, verse 20. Now to him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power, that word power is talking about our imagination that worketh in us. So Apostle Paul states here that God is able, say God is able, to do exceeding abundantly above, far beyond all, say all, that we can ask, think, or imagine. These three things we must do before God can do exceeding abundantly. We must ask, think, and imagine. That's called planning. Hmm. 
In other words, if you haven't asked for anything, thought of anything, imagined anything, then God has nothing to exceed. You hand to him a blank sheet of paper and say, do your thing. You know what's best for me. That sounds noble, doesn't it? And God says, okay, you're ignorant. You're going to stay ignorant. He just said he love you, but he can't help you. You must. See, we got to get out of this mindset that God going to do everything for us. It doesn't work like that in the kingdom. We are partakers with him. So this is a very serious problem in the body of Christ. We want God to make us rich, cause us to see, have a better job, but plans are not being made that can be given to God so he can have something to work with. What do you want your job to be like? What you want to, how much you want your job to pay you? Where you want your job to be? How far you want it to be from your house? What kind of school you want your kids to go to? What, what, do you want, what kind of trade would they go into? How are you going to steer them in that direction? What kind of plans do you want for your house? What color do you want your bedroom to be? What color drapes do you want? How, what kind of oven do you want in your kitchen? See, if you're not dreaming and thinking of something, what God, God can't exceed. And you have that broke down stove for the next 10 years. Because most men don't pay the stove in the mind because they don't cook as a rule. But you can get in there and start planning and working with God. Me and you see, do you see how important a plan is? Because it, it, it touches every part of your life. And if you don't give God, God said, well, I can do exceeding a bundle above that. That's all you want, sure. Okay, I've got a picture of a stove that I want. How many of y'all remember my, uh, that book that I told you to put together, your dream book? How many of y'all still doing it? <laughs> How many of y'all still got pictures of what you like to have in your house, the kind of car you want? See, if you don't give God something to work with, what you want God to do? You want God to just throw it on you. Okay, he's not going to do it. You got to give him something to work with. This is what God did himself. He wrote down his thoughts, his plans, his will for us. He put it in a very special book called the B-I-B-L-E. This writing is called a covenant, which binds God to follow through on his word as we do our part. God wrote it and signed it in the blood of his son. So to guarantee that what he said, he has to follow through on or he got to stop being God. And he presented a plan called our purpose. He gave us a purpose. Now, if we embrace the Bible, his purpose, his thoughts of you, his will will unfold, reveal to you, which is far above, way beyond what you would think for yourself. Oh, man. So God needs us to help him plan our future. If I tell one of my children I will help them with a project they have, now, before, say before, I release any funds to them, they must first show me their plan. I want to know how we're going to do it. Okay, if I'm helping you with the bill, show me the bill. 
Don't tell me, well, I, I think it's about $30 or I think it's about $160. I, I ain't quite sure. I'm not giving you any money. If you don't know what you owe, how are you going to ask God for the money? <laughs> so funding is being held up for many believers because they are too lazy to decide what they want in life and how the plan to arrive at a particular destination. They, they're not planning to arrive anywhere. Okay. S-T-O-P spells what? Okay, you said it. Stop asking God to give you a plan. Give him one. Give him one. And then let him tweak it. The power of planning is so important. If life was a bow and you were the arrow, then planning would determine the direction and the destination of your life's flight. I'll say it again. If life was a bow and you were the arrow, then planning would determine the direction and the destination of your life's flight. That's how powerful planning is. Look at Psalms 127. That's just how powerful it is. Psalms 127, look at verse 3. Ooh, Jesus. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord. So who do children belong to? Who children belong to? Who do the children belong to? So you are managing his children. Woo. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows, oh, are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. What is being said here? You arrived here as an arrow. And life grabbed you and asked you, which direction should I point you? And you say, I don't know. I'm telling you some stuff that maybe your parents didn't know. So they didn't know how to point you in the right direction. But you can change that. You can change the entire course of your life with what I'm sharing with you today. Life is asking you for direction and destination. It's saying, show me where you want me to shoot you. What do you want to be? When I was working out in the um, secretarial field, and, there, and I worked in a personnel department, and one of the questions they would ask you, what do you want to do in this company in the next five years? Most people didn't know how to answer it because they had done no research about the company. They didn't know enough about the company to know what the company offered. So you don't know how to answer it in five years. And somebody said, well, I want your job. Okay, that's real smart. See how far that takes you. And you might can have it. But there's not, that's not in an interview, that's not the way you say it then. Because you may never get beyond the interview. But how many of you are familiar enough 
if, if your boss came and said, where do you see yourself in the next five years with this company? What would you say? I don't know. I ain't sure. Huh. Found you. Yeah. And see, they already know where they're going to place you. They already know how long you, they already got a predetermined uh, uh, record to look at and track record of people like you. They know you're not a thinker. You're not a planner. Because people that plan can give them an answer. Mm. I know it's rattling. It's shaking you to the core. Because we take a lot of stuff for granted. And we just dump it on God. Like it's God's job. No, it's not his job. That's your job. If you don't want it, don't go for it. Okay, God said, I ain't going to push it on you. But life is asking you, what direction do you want me to shoot you? I'm full with all this power waiting for you to decide where you want to end up. In the next 10 years, where do you want to be financially? If I visit you in 15 years, will you be in the same spot you are today? Still complaining, struggling. Something about your life should be better. You should be working towards something to be different. If we don't pay off nothing but the furniture bill, pay off this and pay off that, and then stay out of debt. If you can't pay for it, don't buy it. Stay out of debt. Stop borrowing. Man, do y'all have y'all seen the crazy interest rate? And they're talking about raising it again? You better harness your appetite. And then if, you, if it's something that you really need, you got a heavenly father. Go to him. Somebody got what you need, and you may not have to pay a penny for it. <laughs> See, you don't plan well when it comes to your tithes and the giving. You dial it out when you get home and start figuring your bills. That's not a good planner. Mm. Okay, I'm when my husband and I were raising our children, we had one goal in mind. That was God, you would be able to use them, and we're going to help steer them away from our personal past failures. We didn't want our children to commit the same sin for failures that we did. And that meant, this meant, listen, this meant changing for us. This meant we had to make unpopular decisions about them. This meant that we had to monitor the environment they went into. This meant that we had to be in control of their education. This meant that we were shooting them with the help of the Holy Spirit in the direction of their purpose. Not just letting them grow up and get old. No, you, you, got, you came here in this world for a purpose. We have four children, and they are all grown and love the Lord. Now, one is an exceptional praise and worship leader with the skill of a licensed cosmetologist as well as being a license to teach her skill. One is a writer who has written a book for children, teaching them about Jesus. One is a gifted musician and an extraordinary teacher of the word. One is a gifted vocalist who is also a praise and worship leader. Now, let me tell you something. That didn't just happen because they had abilities. We had to set the direction for them. You don't get good kids just because. 
planning has to go into place. This happened because we always kept the plan of God for them before them. Mm-hmm. Listen, if you aim at nothing, you will always hit it. <laughs> if you aim at nothing, you will always hit it. Look at Isaiah 32. Isaiah 32, verse 8. Are you learning this morning? I'm not fussing, but I'm trying to reiterate over and over again how important planning is. Isaiah 32, verse 8. Hallelujah. All right, verse 8, but the liberal deviseth liberal things, and by liberal things shall he stand. Now, I know you don't quite understand what they're saying there, so I'm going to read it to you based on what I know. It says, by contrast, those who are noble have noble intentions, and they stand confidently by their honorable words and actions. So what they're saying? It's saying that they are holding up. Their own position of their own word. Noble people have noble intentions, so they have a foundation. That means they have noble plans. Intentions there mean plans. Okay. Now there's a word in there that stand. We're not going to ignore that word. And it said, because by liberal things shall he stand. That word stand has a lot to do with holding up under pressure. Because disappointments come, attacks come, criticism come, misunderstandings happen, abuse happens, corruption is present, hate, jealousy, deceitfulness. You got to be able to hold up under pressure. That's what that stand is talking about. And your plan is the only thing that guarantees you that you're going to stand under pressure. Hmm. Isaiah saying that you will stand adversities when there is a plan in place. You're able to see, because you know why? You're seeing the end from the beginning. And Jesus said it was a joy because he could see the end of him going to the cross. He could see why we were his, we were the goal. Mm. We would, we was the, the, the joy. That's why he was able to get joy to go to the cross. Because he could see what the purpose was. So Isaiah is saying that you will stand adversities when there is a plan in place. Why? Because you know that no matter what happens around you, you know where you're going. Thank God Almighty. <laughs> I know where I'm going. So it doesn't matter what's happening around me. Now, this church has gone through many times. I'm getting ready to close in just a few minutes. Have gone through many things and, stand and stood firmly. Why? Planning. We've always known where we're supposed to end up as a church. And we're not going to stop. We're still in the process. If you don't have a destination, any road will take you there. That's why you get distracted because you don't have a plan. Plans will help you develop patience. You learn to be steadfast, immovable, Always abounding, according to 1 Corinthians 15, 58. You can look that up for yourself. 1 Corinthians 13, 7. 
but see, these, these are things that you need to know. That, you know, stuff happens. But my plan is going to keep me developing patience. I'm going to learn how to stand fast here. You know what? Yeah, it's tough right now. It's tight. I know it's tight. And it looks like everybody doing something stupid. But I'm not going to be moved because I know where I'm going. And what they're doing is just to distract me. You should go to your job tomorrow and the people that pick on you the most, don't get angry with them. Overcome. Why? You know this is not your permanent address. <laughs> you know you're just passing through, right? Come on, say it loud. You know. <laughs> you just smile at them while they are cursing you. Take them to lunch when they talk about you. Why? You know you're just passing through. I know where I'm going. Hey, I ain't got time to stop. Hate. I ain't got time to stop for your hate. But see, if they can get you distracted to start getting involved with all the nitpicking stuff, it's going to take you off your journey. These people that's picking with you have been in the same condition so long, and they are grouchy, mean, nasty, and contrary because they are tired of being nothing. But are too weak to get up out of their condition. And they don't like to see somebody with fresh energy. They got to make you settle just like them. It's like that crab, when I get my crabs in the pot, that one trying to get out, the rest of them grabbing it, break his leg off, take an arm out. You ain't getting out of this pot. See, all that's distraction. If you see that you can't help them, then you might have to leave them alone until they are ready for change. This is not hate. That's not hatred. This is called divine protection. Sometimes this method is the only way those kind of people will see their real condition. Because they'll hold and monopolize you, have you chasing them, which is a control technique, only to end up in the same spot, trying to get you to like them or you to get them to like you. Mm -mm, I'm too secure for that. I know where I'm going. I, I don't need you to like me. I'm not here to be your buddy. I'm here to work. Now, if we happen to develop something, that's one thing. But I'm not here to be your buddy. I'm here to do a job. And it doesn't matter to me if you like me or not. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm getting ready to say something important. Not that I haven't. Planning is the greatest act of faith. I'll say it again. Planning is the greatest act of faith. Why? We are not commanded to live by hope. Watch this now. I'm going somewhere. Hope is good, but hope for people stay broke. Example. You say, I sure hope one day I own my own house then why are you still renting? Quiet. I hope that one day I start a business. This is why you're still working for someone else. Because you haven't put a plan that would change that. 
Listen, I know that this is a process. There's a process to all these things. But keeping everything in the realm of hope never makes it real to you. Mm. Dr. Davis taught us about the realm of hope and that it exists. However, nothing moves from the realm of hope and become a reality in your life until you present a plan for it with faith. So it can come out of the realm of hope into this visible realm. You must have purpose when you go to God for what you're asking for. Mm. Hope is wonderful because it is our dream roar. That's, that's where we dream. We can look over to the realm of hope and see all that God has provided for us. And you should do that. Everything is right and it's plenteous. But it's an empty dream without power unless a plan is activated by faith. You and I must have purpose from God that our plan is connected to. Then we can draw from the realm of hope. Man. Proverbs 13, 12. And I think that would be my last scripture for the day. But look at Proverbs 13, 12. Look, look what Proverbs 13, 12 says. Hope deferred making the heart sick. But when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. So what is it saying? If you keep postponing stuff and you keep putting it off and putting it up, your heart gets sick. What? Let me show you what happens. Hmm. Deferred means to put off or to, to put off to a later time, postpone. Example, I'm going to use our children. When they were young and wanted a particular item for Christmas or their birthday, we didn't want to disappoint them, but we didn't always have the resources to buy what they wanted at that moment. So this just an analogy. This is not what we did. But Christmas comes and goes, no gift. Birthday comes, they get something, but it's not what they really want. See, that's going to make that child sick. Well, watch this. As a parent, if you're not careful, this child will eventually stop expecting to get that gift. And your child will learn to interact with God with no expectation of God doing what he said. That's where some of you are, have been. Because you watch your parents lie to you. So they were going to get you something, but they had no plan to get it. Promises. I'm going to promise I'm going to get that for your birthday. Your birthday come, you still don't get it. See, that, the Bible says hope deferred make the heart sick. But what my husband and I did, we got our children together and told them, look, we're going to make this a faith project. We had already taught them about the principles of tithing and giving, and their faith worked just like ours. We've always taught them that. Now, although we prayed, believed, when we prayed, a plan still had to be activated. So we put what? The envelope system to work. That was dad and that was my husband and my responsibility. A plan that will help us be better prepared for Christmas and birthdays. And you know what? God honored our plan and increased that increase. Our ability to save. Woo, Jesus. And sure enough, when Christmas and birthdays came around, we were able to buy what they wanted. And not just what they needed. 
They might have needed socks. But who wants socks for the birthday? <laughs> who wants socks for their birthday? Nah, not most of us in this room. And not just what the Dollar Tree offered us. In closing, the just is not supposed to live by hope, but by faith. So the highest form of faith is planning. This means you believe something and you start planning to get there. Did you learn anything this morning? Hallelujah.